Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Aquademia Podcast. I'm Sean O'Laughlin. I'm Justin Grant. And today we have another Career Pathways episode coming at you. We got actually a lot of requests recently for more Career Pathways episodes. People really like them. And the first one that came in recently was actually for this specific person. We are sitting down with Molly Jakes, who's been on the podcast before. You've heard her voice. You may recognize her voice. But she has a pretty fun story and uh, an interesting career path. So I hope you enjoy that. But before we get into that, I want to remind everybody to please subscribe to Aquademia wherever you listen to podcasts so you can get every single new episode directly downloaded onto your device as soon as it's available. And like always, if you want to get a hold of us or contact us, there are a few ways you can do that. Listen closely because things have changed. Social has not, though. We are still at AquademiaPod, but if you want to fill out a contact us form, you will have to now visit, drumroll, globalseafood.org. Go to the top of the page. You will see uh, the Aquademia Podcast tab right there. Click on it and you'll see a embedded contact us form right there. You can also send us an email, podcast at globalseafood.org. That's right. That contact form works really, really well. We so, just had someone use it today. Yeah, so but definitely take advantage of that. Jump on that and get in contact with us. We want to speak with you guys. Uh, and lastly, as Maddie usually says, make sure you rate and review Aquademia wherever you listen to podcasts, specifically if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, because writing a written review really helps with the algorithm and helps us kind of get on some charts and get in front of more eyeballs and into more ear holes. So make sure you do that and enjoy this episode, and we will talk to you at the end. Welcome to the Aquademia Podcast. Our diet is hurting the environment in myriad ways. I mean, we desperately need to eat more seafood. This is a pioneering industry with a whole lot of people who have really good ideas and a lot of experience and are unafraid. Aquademia is your go-to podcast for a fresh take on all things seafood. We're welcoming Molly Jakes back again. She's a, another fan favorite. How, how many times have you been on the podcast? couple times? I think twice. Yeah, I think twice. that sounds about right. Yeah. But this time we get to talk about you mainly. Uh, this is a Career Pathways episode. People love Career Pathways episodes. We've actually had a request both internally and externally at GSA for more Career Pathways episodes. People love to hear people's stories and get inspired by them. And the, one of the first names that was sent to us, actually the very first name that was sent to us uh, when we started getting these requests was Bali. Because people love Molly and they would no want way. to hear more of her. How and, could uh, they she, not? I mean, she's aye, pretty, aye. pretty amazing. And she's got a great story. Um, you know, we I, I've spent a lot of time with Molly. We're pretty good friends. And I, I know her story to an extent, but I'm excited that she's on the show to share it with us and all of our listeners. So wel- welcome back, Molly. Thank you for having me. I love being on with you guys. You make me feel very young and inspired. So I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, what? I'm not sure what that says about us, but no, no, I'm you're glad. Young. I'm glad we make you feel yeah. young and inspired. Those are two yes. nice things. And you know, I feel a little hipper when I hang out with you guys. So you're very hip, Molly. Yeah, yeah, you don't need us for that. You're you're very mm-hmm. hip. All right, so let's get right into it, Molly. Take us back to the beginning, wherever back you want to where... start. Um, tell uh. us your story. How did you get? Well, what what are you doing now? Real quick. Like, what is your position? And then let's talk about the path that you took to get there. Oh, boy. Okay. Well, so so here as I sit today, um, I'm a VP of Market Development Operations um, for our organization. I That 
you know, means a variety of things, but I, I'm working with the market development team, helping coordinate all of our bodies around the globe, supporting the team, making sure, you know, we all have what we need to do our jobs to place our our programs out in the market. So part of a really great team. I feel very fortunate to work with everyone that I do. Um, and it's a lot of fun. We've, it's It's a lot, you know, a lot of new things every day, um, a lot of challenges, but we're doing a lot of great things. So, well, especially because we just expanded in a major way, which yes. I'm sure people who are listening to the show understand that we we rebranded to the Global Seafood Alliance, and um, we're now in our advocacy work. We're including wild caught fisheries in addition to farm seafood, which the podcast has always that's kind of been the focus for the podcast since the beginning, but um, now. We are we are now the Global Seafood Alliance, and that is our main focus is all seafood. So yeah, lo- lots of changes every single day for all of us. Absolutely, but it's so exciting. I mean, it I is. think that's what you know. If you can't find something exi- exciting about what you're doing, then um, it's, things are going to get boring pretty quickly. So um, you know, it's it's when I think about where I started, it is a pretty long ways away from where where I am today. Um, so. If you want, I can go all the way back about 19-ish years, if you like, and kind of tell you how I made my way to seafood. Yeah, please do. Um, I, I did not aspire to be in the seafood industry as a small child. Um, as a child, I really wanted to be a doctor. I went through college and thought that you know, I would still go down this path of, of, you know, medicine. And then I learned very quickly that um, getting through something like chemistry probably wasn't going to happen. Um, <laughs> but I had been um, studying Spanish, actually. Um, and so that sort of kept me afloat through college, making sure I didn't flunk out of school. Um, and then I found my way actually into education. So I actually um, graduated from from college with um, my teaching degree for Spanish. And so I did a year of teaching Spanish in high school. I think I looked like I was in high school still when I was teaching at a high school. So, um, that well, actually, you still look like you're in high school. Oh, you're, we all, we all look like we're in high school. This is why you are a favorite. Um, <laughs> but so I did, I was, I was a teacher, um, in a high school and I loved it. Um, had a lot of fun. And then I got through the end of my first year. And unfortunately, which usually happens, there are layoffs at the end of every school year, the budgetary constraints, they say, we'll probably call you back. Um, I hadn't found a new position yet. And I hadn't heard back from my school. Um, So I happened to be sitting um, in the house of Mr. Wally Stevens. I know Wally outside of seafood. Um, and I was sitting with him and his wife and talking about how I hadn't found another teaching job. And he said, well, you know, I could probably get you a job, you know, maybe buying or selling fish and speaking Spanish. (laughs) And I looked at him and I looked at his wife and I, you know, trying, you know, the wheels were turning, trying to wrap my brain around what that would look like. And I grew up deep sea fishing with my dad. I grew up with with friends who worked on lobster boats out, out of the harbor, you know, so I had this perception of what that might be, maybe sitting on the docks trying to peddle seafood to the Hispanic community. That's sort of what was coming to mind. And I said, you know, Wally, you know, maybe, 
you know, I'll send you my resume and maybe we can have a meeting. And I kind of left his house and scratching my head going, what? what I'll say this though, like it it was a great, a a great um, position that you put yourself in studying Spanish though, especially like here in the U.S. having the ability to fluently speak Spanish is just massive and especially in this industry so you that was really kind of lucky that you found yourself in that scenario exactly and so you know it was just funny because i i walked across the street to my house you know that night and mentioned it to my parents and to my aunts like just really you know what does that mean and they're like actually the the seafood company he works for it's different than what you think it is it's you're not going to be sitting on the docks trying to sell fish to people so (laughs) Go, go send the resume, have the interview, see what happens. So, um, you know, a couple of weeks later, I went in, I sat down at the time. He was the president of um, Slade Gordon Company in Boston. So large seafood, um, family run business, um, much different than sitting on the docks, peddling seafood. And so I, you know, met with basically I was buying and selling fish, um, you know, and I was using my Spanish. They offered me a position to. I worked with um, the buyer who was buying out of Latin America a lot of products. So, so for me, I ended up, um, they offered me a, a job and my school asked me to come back in the very same, of course. The very same week. So oh I had to make, my gosh. Yeah, I had to make a decision. And so for me, I knew that I could always go back to education. So I wasn't sure if I would get another opportunity to try something in the quote unquote business world. Um, and so I took my chances and that was 19 years ago. Um, I took that job and obvious, I mean, I haven't looked back, but I mean, I probably looked back a few times to wonder what I did, but, um, it's been about 19 years since I've been in the seafood industry. So I was with that first organization for about nine years and I've been with now GSA, um, for the last 10. So, um, 10 years, really? Yeah, I know. I, it, I haven't aged a bit. It flew you can't by, see huh? that in the podcast format. However, <laughs> I have not aged a bit. That really did fly by, huh? Yes. I mean, I've been here. I've been with GSA now. I'm still getting used to calling it GSA. I've been Me here too. for six years now. And that flew by very quickly, too. So, yep. That's crazy. So are you still using your... Spanish quite a bit in your job that you do now? Or no. Do you, are well, you, are you well, a little out of practice? I'm definitely out of practice, but I actually, I, I use it to some degree weekly because we have um, on our team, we do have a um, team that works down in Latin America. So I'm able to brush up on my language um, when I chat with, with my friends on that part of the team. Um, you know, in everyday work, I'm not using it, but um, but I, I, you know, that was one of the really neat things, too, when I started in 2011 with then GAA, um, our, our goal conference that year happened to be in Santiago, Chile. So it was actually a really nice transition to sort of exit, you know, um, the previous role where I was, you know, using quite a bit of Spanish doing on the procurement side um, and then to get to go on one of my first big trips with my new company. Um, with GAA down to Chile. So um, that was actually a lot of fun for me. And it was a nice way to carry, you know, for me, it was really, um, it was really that the Spanish that brought me into seafood in the first place, right? You know, in, a, in addition to obviously, um, you know, Wally's role in that, but um, 
you know, being able to use the language was something that did bring me in. And what I have found since being with, um, when I started with GAA and now with GSA is that, you know, education is what we do. You know, that's just, and seafood in general, it's always been a component of, of my work in seafood. Always educating, whether it's family or friends or organizations that you're engaged with about seafood. Podcast um, listeners. So yeah. I think so. that that, just your story is such a great example of how expansive the seafood really it, seafood industry really is like there's so many tiny niches within the seafood industry and i feel like you found your perfect spot because you are our go-to person in the organization if anybody needs someone to do a webinar or if anyone needs something to get something done that's why yeah, we call if her you muscle need molly someone to be able to explain something in a really succinct way that makes sense for people Molly is the go-to person. And it just shows like, even if you study education in Spanish, like somehow you could end up in the seafood industry. <laughs> it's, you it's, too it's can end up in the seafood industry. We yes. all know firsthand that it's pretty easy to get seduced by dead fish in boxes, right? I know. <laughs> so. Isn't it amazing? And well, this, so you, of course, I think you're probably teeing me up for a funny moment story, Sean. When Which has that. been told on this podcast, but if they didn't right, listen to your previous it, episodes, I'm sure they'll enjoy this story. Yeah, but it totally is. I mean, it's, it is. We talk about dead fish in boxes all the time. You know, that day I went to interview, um, you know, with my that first role I took in seafood, I walked into this this seafood processing building and was taken aback by the horrific smell, you know, in my face. And I went right up to Wally and said, you know, wow, I'm in an interview for this role at a seafood company. And like the first thing I said to, you know, the president of the company was, wow, it really smells in here. <laughs> and then I was quickly met with, well, that's the smell of money. And that was the last time I ever said that. But, <laughs> that's you know, but it's so true. I mean, it is um, it is such a funny, you know, it, it's such a funny industry and it has a funny way of of sucking people into it and refusing to let them go. Um you know, judging by the fact that I used to be a Spanish teacher and now I've been in seafood for 19 years. But, you know, it, it that gets into obviously beyond just dead fish in boxes and, and the people that you work with. Right. Uh, so do you think is there part of you that ever thinks about going back to education? Um. So, you know, through the years, I've sort of thought through that. I mean, I have I have two small one school age child and then one who's a little bit younger and so, you know, as that sort of kind of has happened, you, you think about, oh, would I have a summer? You know, I didn't take the summer off when I was teaching. I had another job. But you hear about, you know, would schedules look different? Would I go back to teaching? I don't know. I mean, there's a lot about teaching and education that I that I love. Um, and now with small children, I'm not really missing, you know, the kids aspect of it because now I live with kids. So right. I have that every single day. So, mm. you know, I don't. You know, I don't necessarily think about it now because I think part of it is like there's so much education that's going on in the work that we do. So I think for me, um, you know, the having that sort of full circle moment has been really helpful and really um, in terms of like rejuvenation, you know, of of the work that I do has I think that sort of played a role. So, you know, I do I I I loved teaching. Now it's a lot of teaching of adults versus children, um, yeah. but which is almost 
harder in a lot of oh, ways. Oh, <laughs> 100%. Because kids are sponges and adults are rocks. Right. And, and it's also, hard to get through. Exactly. And kids <laughs> and kids are also supposed to have short attention spans and be hard to, you know, wrestle. But, you know, adults, you know, it's it's I, I in the nicest way possible, like to refer to some of the work that I'm doing as herding cats. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it is, um, you know, it has its challenges, but it is also a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I think hear, that's I mean, what I, keeps us in the industry, in, in our roles. I'm yeah. the same way, Molly, if I ever mm-hmm. did a uh, career pathways, I started in education as well, although I'm in the education department. But everything mm-hmm. that every single one of us do here at GAA, now GSA, is education. In this industry, there's just so much education. There's so many, as you said, Maddie, there's just so many areas that you can fo- focus on. And it, it's not boring at all. There's just so much work that needs to be done. It's exciting. You can see how the needle is moving through some of the education, educational initiatives that we're doing. And it's, it's exciting. I mean, I've been more working on my fifth year will be beginning of next year. And that flew by. And there's just, there's mm-hmm. a lot to do still uh, to accomplish. And it's really exciting. It's interesting because we're all in a similar boat. I mean, obviously not, not the same boat, but you know, Justin, you, you worked in schools beforehand. Before I came, I did, study aquaculture and fishery tech at school but as soon as i was done with school i was a substitute teacher for like a couple of years and then i was an educator at the new england aquarium so i've taught kids from uh preschool age i actually have have done educational lessons with kids that were wheeled out in a crib but that was a, a new experience for me <laughs> but from very very young ages all the way up to adults and and that's how i discovered that yes kids are sponges and adults are rocks but um when you say, you know, it's interesting to compare like, oh, kids have a short attention span. Adults don't necessarily have as short an attention span, but they have a million tabs open all the time. Right. So they're right. they got a million different things that they're focusing on. So it's not really that different. You just you over time, you figure out different ways that you need to uh, interpret and present things to to get it across to different people. And that's, I'm sure, something that you have developed very, very well over your career based on actually developing curriculum for what, what age were you teaching Spanish high school? You, you said? Yes, it was high school, mostly freshmen and sophomores. Right. Yeah. So that was, that's probably between eighth grade and juniors in high school are probably, that's probably the hardest age to teach until you reach people who are, you know, 30, 40, 50 years old. So, right. <laughs> Right. It is. It is. You're right. And it's, you know, for me, I taught I, what I loved was the introduction, you know, the first couple of years of learning, you know, yeah. getting kids excited about learning Spanish and doing, you know, the fun things that I used to do. Like, you know, you listen to songs like so I had a teacher who he would give you the lyrics to a song and he would white out random words like throughout the song and then he would play the music and you would listen to it and you'd have to fill in the blanks. Oh, what a good idea. Just like fun things like that. Maybe we should do something like that on one of our next webinars. Yeah. You know, like a seafood. That's a great learning tactic. Yeah. Like, so, you know. What are some songs about seafood? Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Under the sea. Baby Baluga. Yeah. Yeah, you. It, well, that could maybe that could be in one of the. Um, that song is actually you know, about in between Beluga the sessions, Sturgeon. right? You know, the uh, when the little videos, the sponsor videos come on. One, it could be one two, of three, four, five. Once yeah. I caught a fish alive. <laughs> well, that took a turn. Um, yeah. Sorry. 
So yeah, no, uh, I just I was curious, kind of what age you were you were doing because that that's going to translate differently in, in in how you do what you do now and and how you were working at Slade Gordon and everything. So it's just you know everything kind of in, inspires the next step, which is interesting. I'm I'm curious what moments stand out to you in your career path, either as an educator or in college or uh, at Slade Gordon or here at GAA GSA. What moments uh, stand out as kind of like turning points or or impactful times that that you remember and you have grown from? Oh wow! Oh, the hard hitting questions mm. start now. So, just a, I was thinking of a funny story that comes to mind. So this comes out of that first year when I was teaching, and it just it just boils down to you know if you are you know glass half full, glass half empty, you know, or how you, when you're met with a challenge, sort of how you meet that challenge can, can say a lot and can dictate sort of what happens next. And, and so the first, I was also, uh, my first year of teaching, I was um, coaching the, the high school's JV soccer team. And so it was the, the evening of our first game. And I go out to my car after teaching to head over to the field for the game and I go out to my car and I look down and I have a flat tire and I have to drive. I can't really walk to the field. I have to actually drive there. So I'm going, Oh man, like there's no time to call AAA and wait for them to come change my tire, but I got to get to this game. This is my first game. Like, Oh, the the kids are going to be so bummed out if their coach doesn't show up to the first game. So by the Grace of God, I look up and there's a police officer kind of pulling down like around in the parking lot, you know, and so I kind of flagged him down. I'm like, I need a favor. I got a flat tire, but I got a game. He's like, all right, you know, hop in. I throw like the bag of balls into the trunk of the cruiser. I hop in. He drives me over to the field. So I pull up to the first game coaching in a cruiser, in a police cruiser. I got to pull the bag of balls out of the back. Like, you know, those like the corner flags. I got to whip those out of the trunk and all the girls are just kind of like standing there looking like what is going on why is coach did she just get arrested yeah right what is happening and you know i'm like well sometimes these things happen i had to figure out how to get here kids so sometimes you got to get creative so you know so i got dropped off i I don't know if we won the game to be honest i I was probably (laughs) still maybe slightly flustered from that moment but it was just you know it's one of those things how you I made the most of it. I got there on time, you know, and then a parent had to like drop me back off at my car where I waited for like an hour. For it. But it just like, you know, hopefully that was a good example for, for the kids on the team of, you know, sometimes things don't go the way you think they will. But, you know, just meet the challenge and figure out how to do it. Um, you know, so just that that just came to mind when I was thinking, you know, before this call, some just kind of like crazy stories that happened. And then the other one other thing that really um, comes to me is I went through um, the National Fisheries Institute has a program called Future Leaders. And so in 2007, um, I was um, selected. Um, I was still at Slate at the time, um, selected to be part of that program. And so we, our class, we referred to ourselves as Flow 7. Um, and we had, you know, the best time. And, and I know I've heard Wally speak about this, this program that Wally started. Um, I think in maybe 1998, I think was probably the first year. Um, And it's really all about relationships. And 
you know, that's something that I've always, um, you know, I know we spoke a little bit earlier um, before we started the podcast about, you know, sales and what, you know, what that looks like. And, and, you know, I, I'm part of the sales team, but um, I'm probably more of a relationship manager, you know, than a traditional salesperson. And so this program, Future Leaders, is um, it's about that. It's about meeting other um, professionals that are in the seafood industry from from all walks of the seafood industry, from cold storage to processing to fishing to, um, you know, marketing, et cetera. So it was a program that I went through where I met um, a, a great group of people I've built, you know, lifelong relationships with. Um, you know, we might not see each other every year, certainly not in the last year and a half, um, but it's, it is a community that you go through that we always say what happens in future leaders stays in future leaders. However, I think the amount of people that have gone through future leaders, you know, means that still probably a lot of people know what happened in future leaders, but, um, <laughs> but the relationships built there and the experiences we had um, through that program in that year um, are things that I really take um, I have some really fond memories from that. And one of which is, if you haven't done this before, um, we went through survival training. So um, for fishing vessels, you have, you know, there are survival suits that are on, on the boats. And so one of the things we had to do was you have to get into your suit. It's a, a giant orange, rubbery <laughs> flotation suit thing that... You had to get into it so quickly and then you had to jump in the pool and, and and try and float and whatnot. So we just we had a lot of good, you know, fun things from there. But it was really, you know, those relationships have been, you know, people that I still connect with today um, after all those years. So it's a lot of fun. And I'm glad that Wally started that program. It's it's just the gift that keeps on giving year after year for, for the seafood industry. I think you are the first person we've had in a career pathways episode that actually talked about future leaders. You might be the first person that we've had on that's actually been through a program like for a career pathways episode. So I'm so glad that you brought that up. Yeah. yeah I, we I, we have had so a few fun. people that have been, th I mean, Steve Headland has mm -hmm. been through it and Elise is going through it right now. Who is, she's been on the podcast a bunch of times. She's also a fan favorite. She's in the process of going through it right now. And I yeah. imagine that her graduation is coming up soon. Isn't it Maddie? I think she's in January. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, in a couple months. So she's, she's right in the midst of it. So, um, yep. yeah, I think, and I think if any of our listeners are interested in that program, you should definitely look into it and Maddie, maybe we can put some links to it, um, whenever they're taking applications for the next. Definitely. That is something that is super valuable for people looking to get into and are in the seafood industry. Yeah, for sure. So I know Molly, we kind of touched upon how you still do bits of education in your job today. But taking like kind of zooming out and looking at your whole job, like as it is right now, what is your favorite aspect about what you do right now? Besides working with us. Obviously. Right. <laughs> That's the number one thing that I love about it. Um, you know, honestly, it goes it. It goes back to the people for me, you know, that's what. In so in my current role, the team that I work with. We are a global team, so we have teammates, obviously, that are here in, in the U.S., you know, spread around the country. But then we also, you know, have 
have team, you know, parts of the team are in, are in Asia or in, you know, Australia, New Zealand, you know, we're all over Europe, Latin America. So that, you know, being able to work with professionals in all different walks of life with different experiences, um, that has been, you know, I learn a lot from everyone. That's really been valuable for me. Um, and makes and makes what you know what I'm doing really exciting. And then so that's obviously the specific you know my the actual team that I am part of in a smaller way. But then you know you look at our organization as a whole, and you know everyone that we get to work with. Obviously, those who manage this podcast thing, you know they're pretty great. Um, but we have a lot of you know youth coming into our organization and um, energy. I mean. I still feel pretty young um, in the grand scheme of things, but it's really nice to see young professionals joining us and, and joining our journey and this journey that's expanded to all seafood, not just aquaculture. Um, and so I think that, you know, for me, it really is, it's the relationship piece. I obviously spoke about it with future leaders, but the ability to work with all different, you know, people with different experience has been is, is a lot of fun for me. And Molly, you, you know, age is just a number, you know, <laughs> you don't need to worry about that. Molly, no, Molly no. is a, a great representation of that. Molly actually joined us. She joined my team for a, a mud run a few years ago. And oh, man. I think we both cool. proved that even though, you know, we're, we're getting up there, we can still, we can still perform like we're, you know, 17, 18 years old, maybe. Um, well, <laughs> right. But I, I don't know if that speaks to, um, more to our age or maybe how stubborn or yeah. competitive we are, <laughs> you know, but it was, I mean, gosh, I was, I was in a different kind of shape back when we did that mud run. I'm in, I'm in really great shape for, you know, chasing toddlers, yeah. my kids <laughs> and, um, you know, like still I'm, I'm, I'm actually nearing that point where my older um, daughter is like, getting really fast <laughs> I'm gonna have to figure out a way to kind of track her down how old but, is she now but, um so she is six right she is six but Jeez. she's she'll probably be taller than me in a few years and <laughs> yeah definitely faster than me but i can still outsmart her so i guess i have that going for me you know <laughs> do you do you speak spanish to your kids um not as much as i should um i know my husband wishes that i would have you know we would have raised them bilingual, but the amount that would have required me to speak with them in Spanish a hundred percent of the time to really get them where they need to be. But, um, I'm not quite, I, I can survive in a Spanish speaking country, but I wouldn't, um, you know, there's a lot of things that you forget about, you know, the grammatical kind of side of things that, um, I wouldn't, you know, but we do, we practice sometimes and, you know, they learn a little bit in school. So, I'm going to be ready to, you know, help out when she takes official Spanish classes and, and whatnot. But. She's going to come home one day and be like, Mommy, I signed up for French class. Yeah, I'll be like, oh, man. well, we have a French last name, so I guess I couldn't totally that's blame true. her for that. <laughs> that's true. Um, you know, but that's that's not my doing, you know, really. So, but that would be fine. My husband can help them if she wants to speak French. But. I'll, I'll chime in. For, for any of our listeners, I've been radio silent mostly because I'm running into technical issues with my microphone which i'm speaking into and it's not even plugged in it's just funny because it's right in front of me so so, yeah it's just a it's just a prop for anyone watching this podcast sometimes you just need a prop (laughs) yeah (laughs) 
No, Mike, uh, one of the questions we have for you, Molly, is uh, the advice for young people. So we, we just talked about how there's, uh, I wouldn't call it a youth movement, but we are getting some recent graduates from college to uh, to join the organization. We're seeing more and more young people at the Goal Conference when we do have it live, and it's a very good thing to see because in order for this, the advocacy work and the message that we're trying to spread as GSA, we need younger people to understand that mission and kind of run with it because eventually we are going to, you know, we say that we're, we feel young, we still feel like we're the younger part, but there's going to be a point where the it's gonna, needs to get this is going to belong to a different generation to continue the messaging. So if you had advice for any young person that's thinking about getting in the industry or is in the industry, what would that be? Goodness gracious. I feel like there's a lot of pressure in whatever answer it is that I provide. Yeah, this is going to be the yeah, highlighted part of the episode, worthy, so please. nail it. <laughs> <laughs> don't blow it with your answer. I'm still talking into my mic, by the way. I don't know why. <laughs> um, holy cow. So what advice would I have? Well, one of the things that my my first supervisor with GAA when I started um, would speak about was you have to be passionate about the work, right? So you have to, if you do not sound like you believe it, no one's going to believe what you're telling them. So that is an important thing that anyone who is entering the space needs to bring with them. You know, you, and it might not be every aspect, right. About what we do, but is it, you know, are you, maybe it's the fact that we're feeding, you know, seafood as, as a food source, right. Maybe that's something you're passionate about, or maybe it's the fact that what we do um, provides employment for people around, you know, that might be the part of it that, that is, is something you feel passionate about. So I think that's really important. You know, that's what's needed, you know, when you come into this, into the industry. And I think I have found in, in, you know, these few years that I've been in seafood that there, people are passionate about it. It's why they, it's hard to leave the seafood industry, you know, and that's really what we need. You know, I think young people coming up and, you know, they need to bring that, bring their A game, bring their, bring the passion, find what it is about it that you love. And then, you know, work on the relationship piece. You know, I have, you know, you wouldn't want to burn any bridges if you can help it. Um, you know, <laughs> people who get into seafood don't often leave. So you'll probably, you know, if you, if they leave, it's maybe just temporary and you'll probably meet them again. So, you know, it's those moments, you know, where you are building relationships and you have experiences and you're, you have that passionate for what you're doing that, you know, will continue to drive. Um, drive the industry, will drive, you know, with what we're doing, the ability to advocate for seafood, for for seafood to be responsibly produced, um, and to keep, you know, driving change in, in our industry. So, you know, it, like I said, I, I did not aspire to be in the seafood industry when I was a kid. I actually ate very little seafood as a kid. You know, when I started in seafood, it was like tuna out of a can and I would eat everything <laughs> but the clams in clam chowder or clam cakes. That was basically what the extent of my seafood consumption when I started. Um, and I 
I promise I, I don't spit out the clams anymore when I eat like clam chowder. But what's the uh, um, what's the place in, in Rhode Island with the clam cake, the amazing clam cakes and the dough boys? Um, which one? Well, there. So it depends. I mean, there, there's a place in the eye of the beholder. There was a place we used Iggy's? to go when I was in college. Yeah. Iggy's. Yeah. That's okay. yeah. that's uh, <laughs> yeah. that's that was uh, yeah. an amazing, an amazing place for yeah. me when I was in college. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine on a, you know. Saturday morning or a Sunday, you know, or noon, you know, anytime, but, all the time. but yeah, so hopefully that answered the question. It, it's really true though. I mean, it is an industry where people don't leave, right? I, I mean, people in this industry, they work until they we physically cannot lifers. move yeah. anymore. Like they, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. just, you, you got to find that passion, the passion for dead fish in boxes is you got to find it somehow. Right. It's really a glamorous industry, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's, I think it's the, you know, it's the relationships, but it's also how dynamic seafood is, you know, there's always something to learn or experience. And so, you know, I think it makes it either hard to leave or seductive, you know, to come back to or something, you know, you get to a point. I am just like you, Molly, where I didn't foresee myself in this industry especially five or six years ago when I was working in public school, in the public school system. And then as you learn from all these experts that you're surrounded by um, and with, within GSA is you just, be, you get passionate about the work and you believe it. And then it turns into this thing where, you know, you just, you start hearing side conversations of someone that's talking about, well, it doesn't matter what you buy for seafood or well, farm seafood's horrible or something like that. And you're like, uh, teachable moment and it's just it's <laughs> yeah. like ingrained in your brain to just mm-hmm. be like i need to clarify some things with you. you granted you can make your own choice but at least have all the information to make a choice so you just feel like you have to and i i like that i like saying well hey i was where you were five or six years ago if someone said justin what do you know about aquaculture i'd probably say well, aquaculture what is up aquaculture well, fish farming oh fish farming there net pens out in the ocean and Every now and then the fish will escape and cause like mutant whale salmon in the ocean or something just so far fetched. <laughs> that's not even oh, true. You know what I mean? So you have, like, you have these, we talk about it all the time in the show that negative press sticks with people more than positive press. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So whether it's the title that we've mentioned before in the podcast where tilapia is worse for you than bacon, for example, like that stuck with my in-laws and they love tilapia. They buy it all the time. Then that title came out. They're like, we're not doing it. We're not doing tilapia anymore. I was like, but you're doing bacon still. So, yeah, I was going to say, mean, you love on. bacon too. What? <laughs> yeah, let's, what? <laughs> Why is that the headline? Why is it not the, the one that, that claims that all tilapia eats poop? Like, you know, <laughs> why is that not the one that turns you off? <laughs> so I think there's just, there's a lot with wild fisheries, with aquaculture, there's just a lot of education that can still take place. I think that makes our job exciting because it it's never ending. It's not like we're building, uh, we're working towards, I mean, we're all working towards like an initiative, but it's not like a concrete initiative, like not building goal. a video game where it's like, all right, it's done. All right, moving on to the next thing. This where our work is never done, and that keeps. I think that's what keeps a lot of people in the in this industry is just the passion and the commitment to just continue to make it better. And it takes a lot of work, takes a lot of collaboration. It's and- it's one of those things where it's a constant fight because mm-hmm. as much as there's people in the industry that have a passion for driving the industry forward and making it better, 
there's just as many people pushing against it that have a lot of negative views and and they are very vocal and forceful about that with documentaries and celebrity endorsements of, you know, against different practices and things like that. So it's kind of like you kind of have to keep that fire burning within you if you, I mean, if you want to be a part of the industry that is pushing to make it better and pushing to improve the perception of it, you got to like, you got to be ready for that. And you need to grit your teeth and just continue to dig in and dig in and dig in because otherwise you'll just get buried with all of the negative stuff that comes out. And, and that's, that's not what we're here to do. So we kind of just asked this question, but what, what advice would you have for people that are looking to like break into this industry? Like, how can they get into it? How can they, if they have that passion, Talk to Wally. really, yeah, they say, I really, <laughs> hey, I have a passion for sustainable seafood and ocean sustainability. Right. And I want to be a part of this. How, how can they, what can they do to get in here and be a part of it? Have, am I a wizard? I don't yeah, think I on, know Molly. All the, Molly, the you are the one we come to for all of this stuff. Well, I mean, if you look, if you were listening to my story of how I got into seafood, I don't know if I like, uh, like Justin said, talk to Wally. Wally probably has a few, you know, ideas on how to get you into seafood. But no, I don't. You know, it's connecting, networking. You know, I think that there are, you know, organi- organizations like ours that, you know, we cover all seafood. We, you know, we are out in the field doing a variety, you know, there's that sort of NGO space. There is obviously there's plenty of seafood production happening, you know, around the globe. Um, you know, I think it's, it's, if, if you can bring, you know, passion to that work and an open mind, then, you know, anything is possible. There's a sound bit right there, Manny. Yep. That was it. That was perfect. Well, Molly, do you have anything else that you'd uh, that you'd like to get out there while you have the platform? I'm sure we'll have you on again, and I'm sure we'll be doing more webinars and stuff with you. But while you're here talking about oh, careers and, and the industry, is there any last thoughts that you want to get out there? I don't think so. I think I've probably covered them all off. Honestly, it's it's for me, it's like I said, if you know, bringing bringing the passion and the fire, but also, you know, that relationship piece, you know, the stories that the things that I remember you know, from the last 19 years are all, all around, you know, building relationships and networking and, and getting to experience, you know, things that if I were a teacher, I would not be experiencing. And I, I love teaching and, and, you know, I would never close the door to, to finding another way, you know, finding other ways to do that. Right. But, um, you know, just, I know I spoke a little bit about, you know, my experience with future leaders and in in the survival suit and, you know, or like thinking about one of our goal conferences where we, I think it was actually in Bangkok and I was, you know, we had an excursion where we were visiting shrimp farms and plants and hatcheries and we were all on a bus and we got on the bus and ever you got a bagged lunch and just like everyone like got onto this bus like sardines and I didn't know, I mean, this was like the second year I was with GAA and I didn't really know that many people, but I was doing the, you know, I was there from the sales side to, you know, engage with people from our conference that were there. And I sat next to a gentleman, um, Sebastian Bell, who, and we kind of opened our bagged lunch, like, and just, just like a funny, like little experience. We open it up and it's, it was like a salmon, or not a salmon, it was a shrimp patty sandwich. Ugh. 
And just like, and I remember we were like, we looked at each other and we were like, what? A shrimp? And, we, and then we ate it and it was like this really, like, I don't know, there's like a lot of nostalgia there. It was like like the best, I had probably never even had like a shrimp patty sandwich before. It was like the best one I ever had. And it was just more like living in the moment and experiencing something new, you know, with new people that like just that kind of those kinds of moments and having those experiences has been been invaluable for me and then the the last one that comes to mind is is um i am an honorary newfie which when you go to newfoundland um there is like you know a pub i can't remember the name of it though my newfie friends will probably kill me later for it but um you know you go through this whole song and dance and then you kiss a codfish at the end and you're an honorary newfie somewhere i have a certificate i'm pretty sure um, to that effect. But just those are the kinds of things that in our industry you can experience um, and you experience it with other people. And so for me, that's what I take with me for sure is, is a big takeaway for our industry. So I highly recommend it to others. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming and sharing your story, Molly. We always love having you on. We love talking with you and we love seeing you in the office every day well, yep. when we're all together. <laughs> yes. We well, should also link Molly's chef skills because she That's cooked true. the what do we call them the, the not taco, the taco boats. boats taco yeah. boats. shrimp taco, taco boats yep and we made yeah. a cooking video molly was the right. chef i have never i ate probably 20 pounds of shrimp that day oh and i was still on more it was so well good. yeah because we got a massive amount of shrimp in case we had <laughs> right. to do it a bunch of times and she just was like i'm gonna cook all of this so it doesn't go bad and we right. ate all of it. And oh so my you God. went from eating around like the clams and the clam chowder. Exactly. To getting in the industry, not leaving the industry, to being a seafood chef for GSA. Yeah. And hopefully we get to do some more. Yeah. I hope so. We never did the second. I, we had like a salmon product up next. Yeah, we're so going we'll to have to do figure that. Out, yeah. Yeah, we'll have to figure out how that to do that. But I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy to cook. For you guys, I'm happy to eat with you guys, you know. And I'm happy to eat, so. <laughs> just in general. Just yeah. Every day, that's a, a highlight of my day. So. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Awesome. Molly, if there's any anyone uh, that wants to contact you, what's the best way for them to do that? They can email me. Are you going to share that, or do you want me to try and spill out my email? We we can put your, your email information in the show notes. Okay, because, yep. So, I mean, it's pretty, it's the same as everyone else's, molly.jakes at globalseafood.org um, and then reach out and I would look forward to hopefully talking and meeting with new people. Awesome. Well, mm-hmm. thank you so much, Maddie and Justin. If you don't have anything else, I think we will finish it up and uh, thanks again for listening and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks, Molly. Thank yeah, you. Thanks, Molly. Thank you so much, Molly. Folks, that was our conversation with Molly Jakes. As always, we hope you enjoyed it and we hope you learned something. I know I had a great time. I always have a great time hanging out with Molly and chatting it up. Before we close out, I just want to remind everybody, like we did at the beginning, to subscribe to Aquademia wherever you listen so you can get all those new episodes directly downloaded onto your device as soon as they come out. Yep. Follow us on social at AquademiaPod. Uh, send us an email, podcast at globalseafood.org or visit globalseafood.org. Visit Aquademia Podcast tab directly at the top of the homepage and fill out the contact us form. I like the, you know, please listen carefully as our options have changed. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Beep. 
Um, I feel like every time I call a, a company or a doctor's office or something, it always says that. Yeah, and it's our, like, what our, really changed? <laughs> like, what has changed? It's always been changed. I don't know what, what it used to be. Anyway, remember to rate and review Aquademia wherever you listen so we can get on those charts and get in front of more eyeballs. Thank you very much for listening, and we will talk to you next time. Ciao. Bye.